I was right about something, a prediction that I made actually at the very beginning of 2022. And don't don't let the smile on my face mislead you here. This gives me no pleasure to say that I was right about this because I made a series of predictions about what I thought you and I could expect in 2022 from the Democrats. And my predictions were not small things. My predictions were how the radical left was going to keep pushing their Marxist agenda forward and where exactly they were going to focus those efforts. And I predicted some pretty horrendous things. And one of the things, unfortunately, what are we at? Like the 17th, 18th, 19th of January right now? It's it's the second to last week of January. We're only in the third week of this year. And one of my predictions is already coming true. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. But first, I want, I want to talk just a second about my pillow founder, Mike Lindell. You know the guy. Mike Lindell, founder of MyPillow. He's got commercials all over the airwaves. Um, Funny guy, odd guy. So he announced this week that the bank where he does his banking, both for his his personal banking, his banking for his business, and his banking for his charities. I think he has three three nonprofit groups, so three charities. The bank that he does his banking at, it's called Heartland Financial, and it's, its affiliate is Minnesota Bank and Trust. They're kicking him out. They actually ask him to remove all of his money, to remove his name, to remove his businesses, his charities. They said, you have 30 days to get your money out of our bank. And 30 days, actually, let me clarify here, 30 days to get Lindell Management, that's one of his accounts, Lindell TV, Lindell Outreach, Lindell Recovery Network, Lindell Foundation, Lindell Publishing, Michael Lindell's personal account, and my store. So that's what, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, that's eight. So those eight accounts, they say you have 30 days to close your accounts, we're firing you, you're not allowed to bank here anymore. His additional account, the account for Frank Speech, Frank Speech is his social media platform, this alternative platform that he launched. Frank Speech, they told him he had one week to get his money out of his account and close his account down because they were kicking him off. One week. And the reason that they gave, he did not, to my knowledge, violate any of the terms of service that this bank offers or requires you to agree to when you open a bank account. He did not do anything illegal, which I believe probably violates the terms of service at any bank. None of that. This bank, the reason that they're kicking Mike Lindell out of their bank is because they say he poses a reputation risk. A reputation risk. One of the managers or the executives at this bank was caught on, or he was recorded during a phone call, so caught on undercover camera, if you will, undercover recording, explaining why they were getting rid of him. And it wasn't, it was, he mentioned the FBI, but he actually said the FBI is not sniffing around. Law enforcement is interested in no way in Mike Lindell. But he said, if that were to ever happen, hypothetically in the future, then that would pose a reputation risk to the bank. This, okay, so first of all, that's not happening. That's not reality. The reality is Mike Lindell has broken no laws. But the idea that this would be something, hypothetically in the future, I mean, this guy, this, is he stupid? Because the reputation risk that he's posing to the bank, half of the country is going to think that this bank is evil because what they're doing, unbanking is what I call it, unbanking Mike Lindell is evil. And here's what I will tell you. The first thing that I thought of is, wow, this smacks of Soviet-style, well, cancellation. Cancel culture even seems tame for what this is, but this smacks of authoritarian, totalitarian, communist cancellation where if you dare as an individual citizen to question the party line, then they make your life unlivable. They make your life actually unlivable. I'm sorry, you can't deposit your money in our bank. Are you joking? You're, he, they're deplatforming his charities. So first of all, this is an authoritarian communist move by Minnesota Bank and Trust, who is you know run by Heartland Financial, just so everybody knows the names here. The second thing that I thought is this is going to be very interesting to watch. This is going to be very important to watch who exactly in the next, we in the coming weeks, speaks out against what's happening to Mike Lindell. This is very important. Watch, my friends. Watch who defends Mike Lindell and watch who stays quiet. Because it doesn't matter if you agree with Mike Lindell word for word, letter for letter or not. It does not matter. In fact, I'll give you an example. Mike Lindell's spoken out about election integrity and you know he's made allegations about shady business, if you will, even voter fraud in the 2020 election. And I certainly think there was fishy business in the 2020 election. Do you know that? But my train of thought, we've walked through this many times. My train of thought is much more similar to the Molly Hemingway train of thought. I think we were, we as conservatives and maybe even as Americans were out electioneered 
in 2020, meaning there were people, government officials, both elected and unelected, in positions of power who changed rules and laws related to the counting of ballots in the 2020 election in various high stakes states around the country that ultimately led to Joe Biden winning. Now, does that mean that hundreds of thousands of people walked into the voting, walked into the polling place and pretended to be an individual they were not to cast a fraudulent vote in that way? No. It doesn't mean that. We have no evidence of that. It does, however, mean that laws were changed by people who had no authority to change them, uh, leading us to a situation where votes were counted when they ought not to have been counted because while they weren't cast fraudulently, they were cast in, they were counted in an invalid way. So that, that's where I stand on the 2020, um, on the integrity of the 2020 election. So I don't agree. That being said, I don't agree word for word, letter for letter with Mike Lindell. And my friends, it does not matter. It does not matter. Because the reason that, you know, whether it's big tech, whether it's the mainstream media, whatever it is, the reason that cancel culture, those behind cancel culture, the radical left uses cancel culture against people like Mike Lindell, it's strategic. They're doing it hoping that a lot of mainstream people will say, well, I don't necessarily want to give my stamp of approval to everything this individual says, so maybe I shouldn't stand up for them. Maybe I shouldn't speak out in favor of them. Maybe I shouldn't defend their rights because I don't want that close of an association with that individual. So watch, my friends. We've talked about in 2020 how it's not only important to take back the House and to take back the Senate. We've talked about how it's also important to hold the squishes accountable, the McCarthy's accountable. I mean, I don't even I don't even count Kinzinger and Cheney as squishes. I think they're Democrats more than Republicans. But there are certainly squishes, the Romneys. There are certainly squishes who are not willing to root out corruption and to hold people who committed corruption, deep state agents, accountable. We have no use for squishes in the Republican Party anymore. And so watch in the next week and two and three weeks as Mike Lindell talks about this, as the bank probably has to issue a public statement, as there's challenges. Lindell says that he's not going to withdraw his money from this bank. He said they will have to kick him out. They will have to fire him. He's going. He's not going to go quietly. He will go kicking and screaming. This will become a bigger story. So watch and listen to who is willing to fight for individual rights, even when that person might not align 100% with what you think and what you say. Watch, because those are the people those are the people that you can trust to fight for your rights. And the people that are silent, the people that caveat it, the people that you know just barely touch it because they don't want to touch him, those are the squishes. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The other important thing, thing to note about the Mike Lindell situation, this bank unbanking him, is they're obviously coming after him because of his politics, right? Because of his philosophy, because, because he's conservative, because he dares to contradict the radical leftist ideology. And this is horrendous enough for somebody to be targeted just because they didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, they didn't vote for Joe Biden, because they dared to support Donald Trump, and they dared to bring up their concerns as an American citizen about the integrity of our elections. But here's the question, too, that we need to be asking. If this can happen to Mike Lindell, who's arguably more famous, more prominent than any one of us, he's, his name is universally known in the United States, his face is universally recognizable, who's next? The answer to that question, of course, is you. You're next. I'm next. We're next. Anybody who shares conservative values, anybody who speaks out in defense of constitutional principles, anybody who, yes, contradicts the radical leftist ideology, even the Biden administration, they're next. We're next on the chopping block. And so when we think about this, yes, we should defend him because he is an American citizen who is being trampled on because of his political ideology, because of what he says, his words, his philosophy, if you will, his politics, but also who is going to be next? We. We are going to be next, and we should put a stop to that before this is rampant. Okay, back to the prediction that I was talking about before, my prediction for 2022. Um, we're going to talk about that in just a second, but first, I want to talk to you about my Patriot supply. Friends, one of the biggest problems that all Americans will face in 2022 is runaway food prices. Sky-high inflation is hitting everyone hard already. Imagine how much worse it's going to get. But I have a solution that you are going to love. Get yourself some long-term storage emergency food from My Patriot Supply, America's largest emergency food provider. Hands down, this is the most affordable way to buy emergency food. The food's delicious. I know my husband and I keep a store of backup food. 
Get the four-week emergency food kit, which provides breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks. Right now, you can save $50 on each four-week kit that you order if you go to my URL. It's very important. Preparewithliz.com. Pick up one kit for each person in your family, and then you can laugh at the sky-high food prices at the grocery store. But don't wait. Go to preparewithliz.com right now. That's preparewithliz.com. We know the mainstream media and the Democrats are trying to pretend that there's no supply chain crisis. We know that empty shelves Biden was trending on Twitter because the American people know the truth about the food shortages or the food shortages and the high prices that are to come. Avoid all of that. Go to preparewithliz.com right now. Preparewithliz.com. Okay, my prediction for 2022. I think I, I made a series of predictions and it was either the first episode of this year of 2022, or it might have been the last episode of 2021 looking ahead to this new year. And I talked about what I thought we could expect from the radical left and what we ought to demand from our representatives in Congress. And one of the darker predictions that I made was that the left was going to morph from just telling parents that they have no role in the curriculum at public schools that's being taught to their children. And we still see this from the left. They, are, they tell us that, you know, who are parents? to decide what their children are being taught. Who are parents to tell teachers what to do? Parents aren't the experts. Teachers are the experts, they tell us. Of course, the teachers also don't get to choose the curriculum. The teachers' unions and the left at the governmental level are the ones that are picking the curriculum, in addition to people like the 1619 Project at the New York Times and these leftist organizations, Howard Zinn's organization, these educational the educational lobby, we'll call it, that is comprised of radical leftists who want to indoctrinate your children. That being said, we're, we've fought that fight. We are fighting that fight. We're going to continue to fight that fight. And it's going to morph, I predicted, into an onslaught of attacks against homeschooling. Because as parents remove their children from public, public schools because of mask mandates, because of school closures, because of critical race theory, because of transgender bathrooms, because of anti-American sentiment, people are going to start homeschooling. We've seen the numbers. There's so many more parents who are homeschooling their children really than ever before. But I also said, it's going to get even worse. We are going to see a general attack on the idea of parental rights holistically. The idea that you as a parent are the one who, for lack of a better phrase here, has dominion over your child. You have responsibility for your child. You care for your child. You love your child. You provide for your child. You discipline your child. You rear your child. You do everything for your child. You make decisions for your child. And I said, the left is going to come after the left is going to come after parental rights in general under the guise of parental rights being part of white supremacy. And lo and behold, it gives me no pleasure to say that I was right. In fact, in the VC Star just this week, just a couple days ago, a liberal by the name of Joe Matthews wrote an article called California Should Abolish Parenthood in the Name of Equity. And when I first, I, I kid you not, when I first read this article, I thought, is this guy being hyperbolic? Is this guy being satirical? Is he exaggerating because to make a point, essentially. And this is the sad thing, of course, about the left is their opinions are so extreme, their positions are so radical, you actually have a hard time telling when they're kidding and when they're being serious because their serious proposals are so absurd, so extreme. This is what Matthews writes. If California is ever going to achieve true equity, the state must require parents to give away their children. Today's Californians often hold up equity, and he defines equity as the goal of a just society completely free from bias, which is obviously ridiculous, not, not the idea of a just society, the idea of defining equity as a just society completely free from bias, that is not the definition of equity. The idea, the definition of equity and the outcome of equity is equal outcome. So the difference between equality, which is equal opportunity, and equity, which is equal outcome, requires, equity requires discrimination against people that would maybe end up achieving more, people that would end up being richer, people that would end up being more successful, people that would end up with higher test scores, whatever, whatever metric you want to use. It requires discrimination against the people to hold them back to make sure that everyone has an equal outcome. So the opposite of just, it is unjust, whatever. Matthew says, today's Californians often hold up equity as our greatest value. Governor Gavin Newsom makes decisions through, quote, an equity lens. Institutions from dance ensembles to tech companies have publicly pledged themselves to equity. Yes, by the way, let me cut in. At their own demise, they will pledge themselves to equity because if they don't pledge themselves to a meritocracy, then they're going to have a bunch of people who aren't qualified, who were picked just based on an immutable characteristic, which is going to harm the people picked, 
because they're going to be viewed as tokens and the company and the mission of the company and all their coworkers and society as a whole. It's a really stupid idea to build your business based on equity instead of based on meritocracy. It doesn't matter what people look like. It matters what they do and what they say, who they are, whatever. Their promises, Matthews writes, are no match for the power of parents. True. Fathers and mothers with greater wealth and education are more likely to transfer these advantages to their children, Matthew writes, compounding privilege over generations. As a result, children of less advantaged parents face an uphill struggle, social mobility is stalled, and democracy has been corrupted. More Californians are abandoning the dream. A recent Public Policy Institute of California poll found declining belief in the notion that you can get ahead through hard work. So here's the thing. What he's describing here is actually consequences. It's not privilege. So when he, he talks about privilege, he's painting it in a way that portrays it as being a negative thing, that you are privileged, therefore you don't deserve that privilege. It's, it's taking from someone else so that you can enjoy that privilege. That's not true. It's the consequences of behavior. So when we're talking about generational privilege, to use his word, it's actually the consequence of a man and a woman deciding to get married, to wait until they are married to have a child, to raise that child as a married couple, to educate that child, to be responsible with their finances, meaning savings, so that they can pass that on to their child, because that's part of the American dream, right? The American dream is leaving your children a better country than you were left by the generation before you. And Yes, you can argue that as Americans, we're all privileged. We're privileged to be Americans. And that's not a bad thing. But to, to castigate this idea of generational consequence when the generational consequence is positive, that's a very distinctly leftist viewpoint. That's a progressive viewpoint. That's actually a communist viewpoint. It's a communist viewpoint because they want everyone to not just have equal opportunity, they want people to have equal outcome. And to have equal outcome, to have equity, means that you have to take from someone to give to another. Whereas in a society of equal opportunity, you don't have to take from somebody else to give to another. It's a mutually beneficial society. Anyway, he goes on to say, my solution, raising, making raising your own children illegal, is simple. And while we wait for the legislation to pass, we can act now. The rich and poor should trade kids and homeowners might swap children with their homeless neighbors. This is where I was like, well, this guy's clearly speaking hyperbolically. He continues, now I recognize that some naysayers will dismiss such a policy as ghastly, even totalitarian. But my proposal is quite modest, a fusion of traditional philosophy and today's most common political obsessions. In his Republic, Matthews writes, Plato adopted Socrates' sage advice that children be possessed in common so that no parent will know his own offspring or any child his parents in order to defeat nepotism and create citizens loyal to their sons, not to their sons, but to society. This is also known as communism. When you collectively raise children, what are you doing? You're severing the bond between child and parent. What is the bond between child and parent? It's love. It's love. And no state can replicate that. No government can offer to a child what a parent can offer to a child. That, I mean, that, that's the fundamental. That's why the family and not the government is this bedrock institution in our society because there is love. There is love and government cannot create love. So in order, yes, if you want to create a generation of children that are loyal to an ideology of the government, then the first thing you would do is sever them from their parents. So he's correct, he's, he's, he's correct but in the incorrect way. He says, today, a policy of universal orphanhood aligns with powerful social trends that point to less interest in family. Californians are slower to marry and are having fewer children. Our birth rate is at an all-time low. And you'll notice these are, all, these are all negative things. People are less happy, less healthy, less prosperous. Our country is clearly susceptible to things like mass formation psychosis because they don't have a family unit to rely on. There's a mental health crisis. All of these bad things are a result of what he's advocating for, the breakdown of the family. He goes, my proposal also should be politically unifying, fitting hand in glove with the most cherished policies of progressives and Trumpians alike. The left's indoctrination of anti-racism and gender identity in schools faces a bitter backlash from parents. And rightly so. He writes, ending parenthood would end the backlash, helping dismantle white supremacy and outdated gender norms. Keep in mind, folks, that the radical left thinks that if you have a problem with your white child being taught that they are inherently racist because of the color of their skin, and if your black child is taught that they are inherently oppressed because of the color of their skin, that makes you a white supremacist. They think if you believe in two genders, male and female, regardless of your religious beliefs, just the scientific belief that there's male DNA and female DNA, and that a man can't be a woman just because he identifies as one, and a woman can't be a man just because she has her breasts removed, that you ascribe to outdated gender norms. This is what the left thinks of you. This is what the left thinks. Matthews goes on. 
Democrats also would have the opportunity to build a new pillar of the safety net, a child-raising system called foster care for all. Yes, because the current foster care system is such an endorsement of government taking care of children. He says, over on the right, Republicans are happy to jettison parents' rights in pursuit of their greatest passions, like violating migrant rights. Once you've gone so far as to take immigrant children from their parents and put them in border concentration camps, it's a short walk to separating all Americans from their progeny. This is really interesting because we've told the left the truth about what happened at those border facilities multiple times. What happens when a so-called family unit is brought into one of the detention facilities by border patrol or an ICE facility is the adult males are separated from the women and the children and they're put in a separate holding cell. Why? Because you don't want in a holding cell adult males to be milling around with children that they are not related to or women they are not related to. It is dangerous to the women and to the children. So yes, it appears when the left presents it as separating families, it appears to be brutal, but it's actually not. It's actually humane to make sure that if you're putting women in a jail cell, if you're putting children in a detention facility, that they are not locked up, unable to escape with people who would act as predators. Because sexual assault does happen to these children and to the women. 30% of these women have been raped or sexually assaulted on their way to the Border Patrol facilities or the ICE facilities by the coyotes and the human traffickers and the cartels who have brought them up to the border. God forbid that they face that in an American Border Patrol facility. So the Border Patrol protects them. Now, is this sad to see families separated? Yes, it is. Is it sad to see teenage boys separated from their mothers or even younger boys separated from their mothers because of the same threats? Yes, it is. But it's also human nature. And you have to do what you have to do to protect these people from predators attacking them. He goes on to say, universal orphanhood also dovetails nicely with a pro-life campaign to end abortion rights. In fact, a suggestion from Justice Amy Coney Barrett during a recent case that could overturn Roe inspired this column. She posited that abortion rights are no longer necessary because all 50 states now have safe haven laws, allowing women to turn their babies over to authorities after birth. My proposal would merely make mandatory such handovers of babies to the state. He's so absurd. Perhaps such coercion sounds dystopian, but just imagine the solidarity that universal orphanhood would create. Wouldn't children raised in one system find it easier to collaborate on global problems? Now, he says, I don't expect universal support for universal orphanhood. A few contrarians lost in the empty chasm between American extremes might object to this rational proposal on emotional grounds. They might argue that pursuing your own conception of family is fundamental to freedom. They may, they also may suggest that people don't really want to start or finish at the same point in life. They may even say that what we really desire is what the title orphan of the musical Annie demanded. I didn't want to just be another orphan, Mr. Warbucks. I want, I did to believe I was special. And he says, but don't pay those critics any mind because they just can't see how our relentless pursuit of equity might birth a brave new world. Again, there's some hyperbole in there. There is some hyperbole. He's mocking equity a little bit, but this is also exactly what I predicted would happen in 2022 people would come after, the radical left is going to come after parental rights. They are going to pretend, they are going to tell you, they are going to wage a campaign trying to drive a wedge between parents and their children. The Michigan Democratic Party posted on their Facebook page just this week, they posted, this by the way has a blue check mark on Facebook, this is verified. They said, not sure what this quote, parents should control what is taught in schools because they are our kids, end quote, is originating. But parents do have the option to choose to send their kids to a hand-selected private school at their own expense if that is what they desire. The purpose of a public education, according to the Michigan Democratic Party, in a public school is not to teach kids only what parents want them to be taught. It is to teach them what society needs them to know. The client of the public school is not the parent, but the entire community. Now, the Michigan Democratic Party ultimately deleted this post after you and I noticed this post, after an outcry, a backlash from conservatives and parents, really. It's not just conservatives across the country, because this is, this is the left endorsing a Democratic Party, an official apparatus of the Democratic Party in Michigan, endorsing the idea that children belong to the state and don't belong to their parents. And it's horrendous. It's horrendous. This is what the left is doing. They're going after our children. In Canada, there's a law it's called Bill C-4. It's passed in both the Senate there and the House of Commons uh, uh, unanimously, in fact, which is horrifying. And we're going to talk about that in just a second because it's a truly draconian law. First, I want to talk to you about stamps.com. If you've got a small business, you know that there's nothing more valuable than your time. So stop wasting it on trips to the post office. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your computer. Send letters and packages for less with discounted rates from USPS. 
UPS, and more. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer, no special supplies or equipment, and you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail's ready, all you do is you just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. If you use my promo code, Liz, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Liz. That's Stamps.com, promo code Liz. Okay, a Canadian law or it's like a bill, it's been passed unanimously by both the Senate and the House of Commons there, essentially threatens to criminalize aspects of Christianity. Now, the interesting part of this law, it is under the guise of conversion therapy, or this, this, is, this is a phrase that has been redefined by the left or branded by the left. What it actually is, most of the time, What it actually is, is counseling, usually Christian counseling, that seeks to uncover trauma in somebody's background that can impact your sexual appetites. And once you have uncovered the trauma and addressed it in a therapy setting, sometimes those perhaps disordered sexual appetites change. That's that's actual legitimate quote-unquote conversion therapy. Usually it's just trauma therapy. Now, there've been abuses of this phrase. There have been, you know, I think we all think of those pray the gay away camps or counselors, therapists who have been physically abusive to young people with same-sex attraction. And I'm sure we're all on the same page here. That is unequivocally wrong. That is abusive. That is evil. That is that is not the majority of trauma-based therapy that impacts a sexual appetite. That is the fringe minority. But as the left does, they like to take examples that are, that are exam- well, fringe examples, not to repeat the same word, and make that fringe example sound like it is the entirety of the thing. They do this with abortion, right? They say, oh, what about rape and incest? Well, sure, let's address rape and incest because that's bad, but less than 1% of abortions are because of rape and incest. So let's talk about the other 99% of abortions first, and then we'll talk about what to do in those other cases. This is what the left is doing with conversion therapy or trauma therapy that tries to uncover trauma that deals with sexual appetites. So that being said, what the leftists in Canada have done is they have made conversion therapy illegal, but their definition of conversion therapy is so broad, it's so vague, it's so all-encompassing that it threatens Christianity. It threatens Christian pastors even. It threatens Christian counselors counseling Christian patients. And I know all about this. I know firsthand about this, not because I'm involved in this bill at all, but because in the state of California several years ago, there was a bill that was almost the exact same bill that was introduced in the California State Senate. And I was very instrumental in, well, defeating it. I was very instrumental in exposing what it could do. I was so instrumental, in fact, if you Google my name as associated with this bill, you'll find Snopes, you'll find PolitiFact, you'll find all kinds of radical leftist organizations who purport to fact check me on this bill. They say that I claimed that it would ban the Bible, which is not what I said. If you look at what I spoke and what I wrote at the time, I said, what could happen is if you use the teachings of the Bible to advertise therapy about same-sex behavior, same-sex sexual behavior, then it could be argued that you were using the Bible in violation of the law, and that sounds like Bible banning to me. So of course it's a nuanced argument. Of course it's a, this could happen, not this will happen. The radical left doesn't like any nuance. They are not interested in loopholes in laws, language and statutes that could give politicians and government officials more power than we want them to have. So this bill in Canada is almost exactly the same thing. I wanna read from the actual words of the statute because what the left claims generally is contradicted when you look at the text of the bills. This is what it says. Whereas conversion therapy causes harm to society because, among other things, it is based on and propagates myths and stereotypes about sexual orientation, 
gender identity and gender expression, including the myth that heterosexuality, cisgender gender identity and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientations, gender identities and gender expressions. And whereas in light of those harms, it is important to discourage and denounce the provision of conversion therapy in order to protect the human dignity and equality of all Canadians, now therefore, Her Majesty, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate and House of Commons of Canada, enacts as follows. This ban on conversion therapy. This is how they define it though, this is very important. Conversion therapy means a practice, treatment, or service designed to A, change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual, B, change a person's gender identity to cisgender, C, change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth. By the way, I hate that word when they use it in that context. Assigned to the person at birth? You aren't assigned a gender at birth. No one, you don't come out and a doctor says, I assign you male, I assign you female. No, you are created with a gender. You are, cre your gender is created as part of you. It is part of who you are. You are not assigned anything. I hate that when they use that word like that. But I digress. D, conversion therapy means um, a practice treatment or service designed to repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior. Repress a person's non-cisgender gender identity or repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. Okay, so understand this. Understand especially section D here. A practice, treatment, or service designed to repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior. So theoretically, if a Christian counselor who lives and practices and teaches Christian biblical sexual ethics is talking to a high school boy who has same-sex attraction. And he says to the young man, listen, son, you are created in God's image. And as we all are, and as the Bible teaches, God ordains sex within the context of holy matrimony between one man and one woman. And therefore, all extramarital or premarital sexual activity, heterosexual or homosexual, is therefore a contradiction of God's ordained purpose for sexual acts, so you shouldn't, you shouldn't behave in that way. You shouldn't be having premarital sex. You shouldn't be engaging in homosexual sexual behavior. If a pastor says this, he could be in violation of the law, of this new law in Canada, because it's about behavior. Can you imagine? So any kind of vacation Bible school, any kind of church camp, any kind of youth conference, anything that teaches young people that their bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and teaches that marriage and sex are as God defines them, biblically defined, and that we are called as men and women to practice biblical sexual ethics, this could be illegal. And pastors and priests who get up in front of their congregations during service, during mass, and speak to this, could be in violation of the law. This is so horrendous. This is beyond an attack on your religious liberty. This is totalitarianism to the extreme. There's a reason, just this past Sunday, pastors across Canada and pastors in the United States as well joined together to preach from the pulpit biblical sexual ethics in protest of this bill to say, you can pass this bill, but we will not stop talking. You, the government, do not get to define what our religion is, what we are allowed to believe, what we are allowed to speak about, what we are allowed to teach. And they spoke up in defense of this anyway. And that's great. This is exactly what they should do. They should bring attention to it. They should ignite the ire of Christians and non-Christians across the country to rescind this bill but you and I should understand that this is the radical left. They're coming for our children. We know the statistics on children who suffer from gender dysphoria. It's upwards of 90% of them, if they are not socially transitioned, if they are not medically transitioned, they will outgrow that gender dysphoria by the time they reach adulthood. But God forbid a counselor say that to a child. God forbid a counselor say, well, why don't you not wear dresses, little lad? Why don't you be who God created you to be and will address the trauma that underlies the feelings that you're having, that your body is not yours. And when you're an adult, we'll circle back and talk about what the best treatment for you could be as a mature individual. But while you're a child, you're a boy, 
Keep acting like a boy. Keep dressing like a boy. We'll keep addressing you as a boy. If a counselor would dare to say that, he could face prison time in Canada. Does this make you fear for your children? Because it makes me fear for my daughter. You know, it makes me fear, what if, you know, what if, God forbid, my daughter or subsequent children suffer from something like this and all I want to do is get this child help. But I can't find anybody to help because the only people, therapists and counselors who would follow the science are afraid to say so. And so they don't take cases like that. And the counselors and therapists who will accept children suffering from gender dysphoria are the ones who only believe in quote-unquote affirmation, meaning they'll only encourage you to transition genders, the child to transition genders. They'll never encourage you to behave based on what the science says. This is, this is I hate to use the word Orwellian, but I don't know what other word to use. This is this is Orwellian. This will create a fundamentally different society. We will not be a free society. This severs parental rights. This is the radical left going after your children, trying to dissolve, to codify the idea that the state owns your children and that you have no dominion. They do not belong to you. You do not have any right to make decisions for the child that you created, that you bore, that you birthed, that you care for, that you love. Instead, a cold and unfeeling agenda-driven government bureaucrat thousands of miles away from you and your family makes those determinations. And if you don't follow, then you could face prison time. Now, this is, as you know, never just a matter of big government or big government and big pharma or big government and big pharma and big media. No, no, it's always this conglomeration of them all. And big tech has entered into the picture too. There's, there's the therapy group called the Reintegrative Therapy Association. It's abbreviated RTA. And the purpose of their therapy, now they, they also call out this appropriation of the phrase conversion therapy. They call out this, this leftist tactic where the left tries to redefine a phrase to make it seem to be something that it is not. So they describe their quote-unquote conversion therapy as follows. They say, the term conversion therapy is broad, it's ill-defined, and it makes sexual orientation change the goal. But in reintegrative therapy, the client is in the driver's seat. The professional therapist uses evidence-based treatment approaches to treat traumatic memories. Trauma resolution is the goal, but sexuality changes are often a secondary byproduct. That's kind of what I described before. And the president of this group goes on to say, uh, or goes on to cite a five-year, a peer-reviewed study, which means this is evidence-based medicine, right? A peer-reviewed study that was published in the Journal of Human Sexuality that found that, quote, exploring sexual attraction, fluidity, and therapy can be effective, beneficial, and not harmful. The study found a statistically significant increase in well-being from reintegrative therapy, which also decreased same-sex same -sex attractions and increased opposite-sex attractions. This, by the way, would be illegal under Can Canadian law, but even here in the United States. So Forbes wrote an article, wrote an article, and this is the title, Tech Giants Failing to Block Global LGBTQ Conversion Therapy Network. Three days, oh, and by the way, Forbes cited this particular organization, RTA, Reintegrative Therapy Association, three days after Forbes published this article calling for big tech to censor um, groups just like RTA, RTA was banned from YouTube. They were just banned, everything. This is what YouTube um, said to them. Your account has been terminated due to repeated or severe violations of our community guidelines on hate speech. Although YouTube is a platform for expression of all kinds, LOL, our community guidelines prohibit speech that promotes hatred or violence towards certain groups or individuals. We have decided to keep your account suspended. You won't be able to access or create any other YouTube accounts. So even though evidence-based medicine, a scientific study published in a scientific journal, a peer-reviewed study published in a scientific journal, said that exploring the, the, the sexuality, the gender fluidity of individuals is not harmful, and the secondary byproduct can be a decrease in same-sex attraction and an increase in opposite-sex attraction. They find this to be, quote, hateful or violence towards certain groups or individuals. This is what we're facing. This is what we're facing, this attack on parental rights, this attack on our children, this, they're not even hiding it anymore. The radical left is actively trying to sever 
any kind of attachment between the parent and the child. And you, you'll see this, you'll see this assault, by the way, on, on the family in general. It's not just, it's not just the parental rights. I mean, we see this attack on gender, which if you attack gender, if you deconstruct what gender is, then it obviously negatively impacts relationships because there aren't traditional gender roles. If there are no traditional gender roles and no traditional relationships, there can be no marriage, no traditional marriage. If there's no traditional marriage, there's obviously not a traditional family. So now they're just taking it one step further and saying, well, in the case that a traditional family accidentally comes to being, then the state owns your kids. You don't get to teach your children what you believe, right from wrong, your religion, your principles. You don't get to, your children don't belong to you. They are property of the state. And if you try to impart your wisdom and to care for them and to love them the way that you think is best, we'll throw you in prison if it contradicts what we believe. This is what we're facing in 2022, just so everyone's fully aware of what we're facing because it's only going to get worse if we don't stop them. The parental outrage at universal masking in public schools, at school closures, at transgender bathrooms, at critical race theory, this should be just the beginning of the outrage at the radical left, the communists who would destroy the family in order to usher a Marxist ideology into the United States to undermine the institutions of our government and our society in order to turn our country into something awful, into a communist utopia. There are a few people, by the way, in our government who are doing the right thing, who are fighting back against these, well, they are, it's, this is not hyperbole when I say these communist forces. And I wanna talk about somebody who's doing the right thing in just a second. But first I wanna talk to you about ExpressVPN. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and your security online, right? Your family security. But I learned just this past year that you can also use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are seemingly only available in other countries. Well, no, no, it's actually very simple. This is what you do. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to another country, say the UK, refresh your video streaming service, Netflix or Hulu, what have you. And that's literally all there is to it. See, ExpressVPN works by hiding your IP address so it lets you control where you want these websites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. ExpressVPN works with a lot of streaming services, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but in my opinion, ExpressVPN is the best because it's ridiculously fast. I don't want any buffering. I don't want any lag, and there's never any buffering or lag on ExpressVPN. You can stream in HD, no problem. It's compatible with all your devices. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Liz, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free, only if you use my URL, expressvpn.com slash Liz. Support my show, watch what you want, and protect your family and yourself online, expressvpn.com slash Liz. So credit where it's due. Here is a prediction that I did not get correct, that I am being proven wrong. And believe me, this is, a, this is a prediction that I have never been happier to be proven wrong. I said, I warned Republicans after Glenn Youngkin defeated Terry McAuliffe for governor of Virginia. I said, listen, this is a huge win. Let's celebrate this victory, but pay close attention to what Glenn Youngkin does because he's actually not that conservative. He's not that conservative. We just think of him as being very conservative because he's waging this battle against Terry McAuliffe on critical race theory. But I said, watch him and hold him accountable because he's, he's, he's a little bit milk toast. He's not, he's not the most conservative of conservatives. Well, prove me wrong, he did. His first day in office after he was um, sworn in as governor of Virginia, he issued 11 executive orders, 11 on day one. And each and every one will bring a smile to your face. Are you ready for this? In order to overturn public school mask mandates, in, in order to overturn state government employees being forced to get the COVID-19 vax or be fired. He, in order that prohibits critical race theory in public schools, in order to withdraw from the regional greenhouse gas initiative, in order to create a Commonwealth chief transformation officer so that government works better for the people, in order to restore confidence and integrity in the parole board, in order to investigate wrongdoing in Loudoun County, in order to declare Virginia open for business, in order to create a commission to combat anti-Semitism, in order to cut job killing, killing regulations by 25%, in order to combat and prevent human trafficking. Governor Yunkin, I have never been so happy to be proven wrong. Keep up the good work, sir. It's very important, I think, to recognize the wins because we so often talk about how the left is attacking us or what's going wrong or what we fear or what's scary to watch, what's unraveling, what's not working. We talk about heavy stuff on this show because that's what needs to be talked about. But it is good, it is proper to recognize 
politicians especially, when they do something right. Encourage them when they do something right. Hold them accountable, sure, when they do something wrong. But they deserve a round of applause when they act courageously and do the right thing. And so far, as I said, so far, Glenn Youngkin for the win here. It's wonderful. So I don't know if you guys saw this next article. There's a report from Axios that former President Donald Trump is trashing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in private, behind, behind closed doors, of course. And the reports, are these true? Are these not true? True or false? I don't know. But the reports say that Trump has called DeSantis a dull personality. That does sound like a Trump insult, doesn't it? Has said that DeSantis has no personal charisma, that Trump is, this also sounds like Trump, that Trump is claiming that DeSantis wouldn't even be governor without a Trump endorsement. And then, of course, last week we talked about how publicly Trump essentially called DeSantis gutless, although we didn't use DeSantis's name, we all knew who he was talking about, called DeSantis gutless if, or because DeSantis wouldn't say whether he got a booster shot. It comes down to, according to this report, it comes down to the fact that Trump is mad that DeSantis won't say that DeSantis won't run if Trump decides to run in 2024. Um, so a couple comments here. First of all, this is juicy political tea, which is, I think, always interesting. For, so when I'm analyzing this, this is how I look at it. It does sound like a Trump insult to say that DeSantis has a dull personality or no personal charisma. This is one of the highest insults from Trump. So that sounds like a realistic insult. There's also not a lot of policy that could be criticized about relating to DeSantis. So a personal insult sounds realistic. Um, I do take issue with Trump saying that the DeSantis wouldn't be governor without a Trump endorsement. Here's the thing. Before DeSantis was very popular, meaning before he had, before COVID, essentially, the reason that he won the governorship in Florida is because DeSantis pushed school choice. He was a champion of school choice in the state of Florida. This is, and you can contrast this with Andrew Gillum, who was running against DeSantis, called charter schools a siphon on the public school system. DeSantis said, no, parents should get to choose where they want their kid to send their kid to public school. It was a voucher system. He empowered parents to choose what was best for their family. And because of that, 30,000 moms who were mostly African-American moms, who were registered Democrats, who voted for the Democrat Senate candidate, chose to vote for DeSantis as the Republican because their children benefited from school choice and the school choice programs that the Democrat Andrew Gillum had threatened to basically abolish if he won if he won the election. So I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate to say that DeSantis wouldn't be governor without Trump endorsement. I think it was an extremely smart and, strate and strategic move by DeSantis to champion school choice in the way that he did. And I think that is why DeSantis won in Florida. But that's just that's just an opinion. I do think it's very realistic that Trump could be mad at DeSantis for not well, kissing the ring, essentially, for not deferring to Trump if Trump wants to run and promising not to challenge him if he decides to run in a primary. Um, DeSantis, however, did not respond directly to this, but he's not maybe above tweaking Trump back. DeSantis says that his biggest regret is not speaking up more loudly in March of 2020 when Trump said to stay home to slow the spread of COVID-19. So this, my friends, is a very interesting this is very interesting because what have I always said when objectively analyzing Trump's four years in office? I said, first three years, good, solid president. Last year, related to COVID, not so good. So what DeSantis is doing is he's perhaps positioning himself to um, have a showdown, if you will, or positioning himself as a contrast to what Trump offers relating to COVID-19. DeSantis is saying, listen, this is what I offer in Florida. No masks, no vaccine passports, your choice if you want to be vaccinated, open for business. We're not going to be totalitarian. We're not going to allow leftists to violate your rights. And he's contrasting that with the fact that President Trump did encourage lockdowns. I know the lockdowns were done on a state-by-state -state basis, but Trump was the one who even opposed Georgia reopening. And so it appears that DeSantis is positioning himself as a different option to how President Trump handled the COVID-19 crisis. So here's my question to you. Those of you listening and those of you watching, um, I'm gonna post these, I'm gonna post the second poll actually on my locals because I really, really, really want to know what people think of this. But my first question is this. You can also answer this on locals, just post. Um, my first question is, do you think that this is a true report? Do you think that President Trump actually is saying these things about DeSantis behind his back? Or do you think that this is false made up by the mainstream media in order to stoke, well, to try to stoke party infighting, essentially? I, I think it's true. 
but that's just my opinion. Tell me whether you think it's true or false, and then I'm gonna post a poll because here's the million dollar question. You ready for this? If you had to pick between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis to run for president in 2024, who would you pick? I'm gonna post that poll on locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. I'm really interested in your response, really interested, and we will follow up with the response to that poll in a subsequent show. And in that subsequent show, when we're following up, then I'm gonna talk about my opinion, but I don't wanna bias the poll here. I don't wanna bias the poll. So if you had to pick between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, who would you pick? Go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals, vote in that poll, drop your opinion. I'm very, very interested. Um, I wanna end today with a video. It's a very short video. I think it's like 13 seconds. It is the gosh darn funniest thing that I saw all day. I was looking through, I actually saw this just looking through Twitter and I think it's a very accurate and humorous representation of how soft and snowflakey Gen Z is compared to previous generations. So um, for those of you who are watching this, here you go, here's the video. And for those of you listening, I will walk you through. This is a humorous TikTok video of a man who says, if you're born in the 1980s, this is your reaction, or the 1970s, this is your reaction when you run into a door frame, you don't even notice. If you're born in the 1980s, you run into a door frame and you kind of give it a sneer. If you're born in the 1990s, you run into a door frame and you know, you're a little shaken and you give a giant eye roll. If you're born in the 2000s, you run into a door frame, you dramatically fall to the ground and as you're falling to the ground, you take a selfie and hashtag it, walls are hateful. And like I said, it's true. This is so random. I don't know how this guy thought of it. Really funny, really well done. And I am told that is all the time I have for today. We have a lot of good things to talk about, important things to talk about this week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.